Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Bourbon and Breaches, where we cover one of our favorite bourbons and the top five most interesting breaches from this last week. I'm Steve. Mike. Chew. Thank you. Okay, great. And let's jump right into the bourbon. So for today, we have a special bourbon. We have the Wild Turkey Long Branch. And Nikki will be doing the tasting. Nikki, do you have the Long Branch on hand? I sure do. This hand. Great. I see you've got about half a bottle uh, available. So um, bet, I'm betting that's a pretty good bourbon. It's pretty good. Um, so a little bit about uh, Wild Turkey Long Branch. This is a new uh, bourbon from Wild Turkey. Looks like uh, 2019 was the first time that they uh, started entering it into competition. So Wild Turkey obviously an old brand, but this is a fairly new uh, version of it. Um, it is a 2020 double gold winner from the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Uh, that makes what, is this the fifth double gold winner that we featured? At least. <laughs> I think we're four out of five or five out of six. I think that we are, uh, there is only one that wasn't and that was Maker's Mark but makers has several that are double gold. They just didn't enter their standard. They entered their, um, their, their premium one. Um, and that did win double gold. So we may have to feature that on a future one. Um, so we've got wild Turkey long branch here. What's interesting about wild Turkey long branch is we've already talked about it on the show. So, uh, if you'll remember a few weeks ago, we covered Campari being broken into, I believe, yep, Ragnar uh, Locker ransomware. And one of the files that they leaked was the Campari contract between Matthew McConaughey and Austin Local and uh, Wild Turkey for the Long Branch brand. So uh, full circle, we're bringing it all back to you. Uh, Wild Turkey is of course a uh, Kentucky bourbon uh, let's see. It is in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Um, Shu, you've been to uh, the Whiskey Row in Kentucky. Did you go to Wild Turkey? I did not go to Wild Turkey. That was one of the, uh, we were slightly pressed on time and we did not go to Wild Turkey. We were right there by Lawrenceburg though. Missed opportunity. Um, Missed opportunity indeed. Certainly Wild Turkey is a very well-known bourbon. And uh, let's see, if you're in Louisville or Lexington, clearly a favorite place to stop. Look at this beautiful building. I would just stop for all the turkeys. Look at that. Let's talk about the Long Branch. So I'll have uh, Nikki do the tasting, but final notes on Long Branch. It is an eight-year-old bourbon. Uh, it is 75% corn, 13% rye, and 12% malted barley. So from this, I'd expect uh, some strong notes of corn, some rice spice, and then some uh, mild sweetness from the malted barley. Uh, MSRP is $40. So I'm going to hold the bottle up to the camera right here to try to get the color very close to caramel. Um, yeah, it's very light. It's not, it's not dark. It's not scary. Great. And then uh, let's tell us about what you smell when you. So it smells like whiskey. Um... All right, Nikki, tell us about Long Branch. Um, 
in terms of flavors that I'm getting as I review this whiskey. I'm getting a lot more on the sweet side. So caramel, toffee, finishes mild sweet, like vanilla. Uh, very little burn, and a, it's actually very pleasant overall, the entire ride. Great. Uh, at $40 a bottle, would you recommend? Highly, yes. I thought it was gonna be just kind of gimmicky because it's Matthew McConaughey, but uh, it's, it's a legit enjoyable bourbon to drink. Great. Well, there you have it. Uh, whiskey review by Nikki Long Branch. Find it at your local stores. Uh, I am, uh, I don't have Long Branch, but I am having some makers. Shu, what are you drinking? I am finishing up the bottle of Woodenville from last week. Um, I'm drinking it out of a uh, Bulbasaur Pokemon pint glass. So it's not full of whiskey, but there is a little bit there. The uh, Woodenville, um, another gold, double gold winner. So. Yeah, and actually as an update to my last review, the more I drink it, the more I appreciate it. I think I, I, it was a solid first time around. I, I think I kind of like it this week. Well, good. Well, uh, let's jump right in. Nikki, uh, what do you have for us this week? The first one that I sent you guys for review is actually a video. It comes out of BBC News. BEC, or Business Email Compromise Hacking, is one of the most common types of cyber attack, which the FBI says costs more than six billion pounds a year. And experts say Nigeria is, a, is its epicenter. Um, this story came after an Instagram influencer was arrested and it basically uncovered the lavish lifestyles that are being lived by a bunch of folks from Nigeria that instead of pretending to be a Nigerian prince are emailing people as a CEO, a VP, director to gain access into companies. Um, so it's the evolution of the Nigerian prince scam. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts? I would say that if you did not watch the video, please watch the video because it was great. So, Pretty good. Um, guy's name is Hush Puppy. Yeah. <laughs> the scenes of him in the private jets. Uh, indeed, a Instagram influencer. Very impressed with that man. And then he was arrested in Dubai. So the right. Dubai police actually had high quality footage of the arrest yeah. <laughs> when they went into the hotel got the guy, arrested him, threw him back on the private jet to go, oh, he's actually awaiting trial in the U.S. Uh, in the spring and could face yeah. up to 20 years. It was great editing by BBC to show his videos from Instagram to show how he's living the life and then cut to the arrest video. Yeah, Dubai, had... is a, Dubai is an interesting place to hang out, but not where I would want to be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> so I think... Him going to Dubai was really what his downfall was. To my understanding, um, the whole Nigerian prince crime, as well as a lot of digital crimes, are not actually crimes in, in Nigeria. It's perfectly legal. Um, uh, I, I don't know if that's true. Did, did the video go into the whether or not 
it was illegal in his home country. Cybercrime is a, it's going to be a $6 trillion industry soon. So trillion, we're, we're talking about it's an industry worth trillions of dollars uh, each year. Um, tr a trillion dollar industry will never be illegal worldwide. There's always going to be some country or some jurisdiction that is more than happy to take, you know, a little payoff and let you operate free and clear. Um, so yeah, that, that's the thing. People need to realize uh, cyber crime is here to stay, just like organized crime was during prohibition. And the only way to be safe is you have to make sure that, that you're on guard for this type of information, you're informed, you're uh, taking precautions. Um, the you know in the u.s the u.s laws uh are are very restrictive uh they don't even allow you there's something called hack back and uh it's um it's sort of a gray area it's illegal but sort of not illegal where if a hacker is hacking you you could try to hack them back to remove the threat. Um, but, you know, it, it's a very controversial topic. Yeah, sort of following up on that, there's um, uh, this, this is nothing new. All, and they titled this article specifically regarding Nigerian princes for a specific reason. It's, it used to be that they were targeting individuals and now this video says they're targeting companies and they're getting bigger payouts of that, but the methods are, are roughly the same. So they're just getting bigger targets out of this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's never, it's never going away. The majority of hacks specifically financially motivated hacks have always been super low tech. You know, we'll, I think we'll read about some more interesting uh, high tech hacks. And, and obviously this is a big year from ransomware, but this is just a regular scam where the method of communication instead of a, a letter is an email. And that's just not going out of style. Uh, number two. Number two. IBM uncovers global phishing campaign targeting the COVID-19 vaccine cold chain. So uh, it was China for this one, right? It says right here in the paragraph, the spoof phishing emails appeared to originate from a business executive from a higher biomedical, a Chinese company currently acting as a qualified supplier. That, that's what I read. So, yeah. so I, I read that <clears throat> these hacks were coming from China. And I interpret it as uh, not they were trying to disrupt the supply chain but they're trying to figure out how other countries were going to do the super cold supply chain. So it's interesting because with this vaccine, um, some, some of the vaccines like the Moderna vaccine has to be negative 70 Celsius or something to that effect. So much colder than a normal vaccine. I interpreted it as uh, China state intelligence was trying to figure out how other countries were going to do it so they could like pick up tips. Um, so obviously it's not, not great to have, you know, that hacking happen and certainly that information could be used for nefarious purposes. Um, but I sort of took it as uh, it was interesting that um, in one way of looking at it, it's sort of like China's trying to figure out um, best practices for how they could run their own cold chain. 
I think you are giving a lot of credit, honestly, to China about this. I think uh, we've been hearing about this for several months now, and uh, I interpreted this as um, a very specific detail released um, about one specific attack. Um, we were told by the FBI months ago that there were attacks um, up and down the uh, vaccine making process, not only supply chain, but also uh, manufacturing and research. Um, and then IBM comes out with this. So uh, yeah, it's probably just supply chain, but uh, the pessimistic view is that it is one element of larger attacks. Yeah. Uh, number three. Kmart is latest retailer to suffer major ransomware attack. I didn't know Kmart was still in existence. Which is what we all said when you sent this. Kmart still there. <laughs> they're on the computers. They're on the web. Um, they so U.S. retailer faces a disruption as a result of ransomware attack. Uh, according to report, attack encrypted a number of servers operating on the Transformco network. This is the Egregor ransomware operation uh, that has hit Barnes & Noble, Ubisoft, Crytek, uh, a number of other companies. Um, as of now, it is unknown what data has been stolen, um, how many devices have been encrypted, or the ransom amount demanded. It is big news that even a company that has been around forever uh, is facing yet another hurdle. What do you guys think? So I, I first saw this one directly from eGregor. Um, I, I was looking at new data breaches in uh, Hack Notice and I saw Kmart. I said, cool, Kmart still exists. Good for them. <laughs> And, uh, and then, um, and, you know, promptly added it to our system. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, E. Gregor's making a name for themselves. Um, they, they showed up out of nowhere and they, they just blew up. Um, so they're, they're a highly uh, proficient ransomware group. Um, Kmart. Just to, clear, just to be clear, we're upset about that. Uh, you know, yes. it could sound like they were upset. You know, for first round draft pick out of Kentucky or something, <laughs> having a good rookie year. But you know, we're, we don't we don't uh, we don't condone it. I we we no. do not condone it. I no. I, res I respect the technical competency within that ransomware gang. That that gang is going places. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, who knew Kmart still around? I remember back in the day. This was really back in the day. Um, Kmart was the only place where you could get like a slushy. Were they doing soft pretzels at, at the time? Nothing goes with a slushy like a soft pretzel, no? No. Oh. No. And popcorn. Oh, so good. Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, Kmart, same stuff as Walmart. Maybe they, the Walmart has some competition there. Kmart has a website. Do, but do they do e-commerce? That's, that's the question. They must. E-commerce. Walmart didn't do e-commerce for the longest time. Oh, yeah, they're crushing it. Who would think I'm gonna go to Kmart and buy some clothes for Christmas? You're all, you're all to Kmart. 
pass the bouncy balls uh, directly to the Huffy bikes where they like you can ride them around the store, <laughs> around the whole section. Grab no. yourself a on the way out. To, to, to put a twist on that, I'm going to go to Kmart.com. I don't think anyone's ever said, I'm going to go to Kmart.com <laughs> right, right, or right. something. They may say, I'm going to go to Kmart to buy, <laughs> right. you know, yes. whatever. Yes. Kmart.com. Now you know. Kmart.com. They still exist, but they're currently being ransomed. So maybe. Yeah. I really wonder how E. Gregor picks their targets. I think this was an interesting attack from the uh, software architecture standpoint because Transform Code says in an article they own several companies, several, their holding company owns several brands, including Sears. Um, Wait, Kmart owns Sears? They're under the same holding company, yeah. Yeah, um, that's a bad purchase. Yeah, but they, uh, but they somehow segregated this attack to just Kmart or they were Transform Code segregated that architecture to just Kmart being affected. Very thoughtful ransomware. A very thoughtful thing, ransomware. Yeah, yeah. Breach number four. Watch this Google hacker pwn 26 iPhones with a Wi-Fi broadcast packet of death. Uh, hopefully you guys watched the video, but if not, don't worry. Excellent video. Notes. Great video. Pretty neat. Um, so Google Project Zero hacker by the name of Ian Beer found a way to hack and take full control of any nearby iPhone with a Raspberry Pi and just $100 in Wi-Fi gear. Um, this bug has been fixed a long time ago. So not to really worry, but it's just kind of fascinating to see the process of this. Uh, the, the bug was fixed in May and Beer suggested that the bounty, which could have been an upwards of half a million dollars, uh, should be donated to charity, which was pretty neat. Um, did anybody here not watch the video? No, uh, I did. And I'll, uh, one cool hack. So the coolest iPhone hack I ever saw is now they're taking control of them, but they used to just blow them up. This was a proof of concept hack, I think from 2017 or 2018. But my favorite one of all time is it was exact as a wireless hack exactly like this, but it convinced every app simultaneously that it was 1969 and therefore their SSL certs were out of date. And so every app simultaneously reached for a new uh, cert until the entire phone overheated, melted, and exploded. And it did that just by uh, doing a super strong Wi-Fi signal. So your phone is casting around for the, uh, for the nearest open Wi-Fi signal, latches onto it, connects automatically without asking you to authenticate, and then your phone blows up. So just taking control is, is, is pretty tame. So iPhone has a long history of blank of death. Um, I remember for a while there were texts of death and uh, I remember specifically because I told Shu about a text of death <laughs> and then he sent it to me <laughs> and my phone broke. <laughs> that was good times, good times. <laughs> so uh, it, was the, it was like the foreign character thing. It was like uh, some Hindi characters. Yes, uh, there were two of those. There was a subsequent one after that. And not only did it break my phone, but it broke my phone uh, every single time that I tried to restart the phone um, because it kept coming up with that text as if it hadn't been read. So, um, yes. I felt a little bad. Yes, you should, you should have felt that. Um, no, this is 
not the first time, probably not the last time with such a popular platform and, and a, you know, fairly secure platform. Uh, Apple sandbox is um, incredibly secure. Um, the anything that can mess with the iPhone becomes top news. So, but I mean, but the thing is like, and the thing that these hacks have in common is that I think it starts with a user model of convenience, right? Cause you want, you want, to buy your mom an iPhone, you want to buy your grandma an iPhone. Like the, the, the Apple ethos is that everybody should have an iPhone. So if you know what you're doing with your phone, you can configure your phone how you want it, but it's, it's built for ease of use and it's built with a certain amount of trust between the base code and, and base trust between that and their, the applications that the phone runs. And that's what's being exploited, it sounds like here. Well, so the, the base OS, does not trust the applications. Compared to Android, there's a complete sandbox per application. That's why Android can have malware and iPhones really can't have malware. They, they can have bad apps, but it's not like those apps can sort of take over your phone and spy on other apps. So the, the, the OS is built well that it has sandboxing in place, whereas Android uh, does not or did not. They may have added it. Um, but this seems to be much more, whenever you can attack the base layers, which is SSL certs or Wi-Fi communication, yeah, totally. You know, you, you, you run the risk of being able to find something fundamental in the phone that you can then just compromise. This was a, uh, I don't know if you went, uh, went to his blog, Ian Beard's blog, uh, Google Project Zero, by the way, just uh, if anyone does not know, is a highly uh, sophisticated team of uh, researchers at Google. They're probably one of the best. Um, if you went to his blog, it's a very, very sophisticated blog. It's a very sophisticated and detailed uh, account of how he found this. Um, I looked at it and I said, this is probably gonna take me a week to understand what's happening here. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the lesson here is um, uh, Nikki, like you said, this is, it's an old hack, but it's still like what from March or May of this year. So like a few months ago, um, but the lesson here, it's been patched. So the lesson here is to keep your phone up to date, Steve. I always caution to wait for the, the dot one. So I, I will say, keep your phone up to date ish and wait for the dot one on any major release. But not beyond that, Steve. Our last breach of the day, US cybersecurity firm FireEye discloses breach, theft of hacking tools. One of the largest cybersecurity companies in the US, they got hacked likely by a government and that an arsenal of hacking tools used to test the defenses of its clients has been stolen. What do you guys think? Is happening you know it, obviously uh, they've uh, they've said that they that they expect China and that it looked like advanced persistent threat um, you know I would say uh, kudos to FireEye for a uh, responsible disclosure B uh, coming out with a lot of testing for some of the tools that they released um, to try to nullify the the effects of, of what happened and uh, I mean if it's going to happen or when it happens, I, I think that they did the, the responsible thing and are at least in control of the messaging. So 
I mean, that's, that's, I think the best you can hope for. Absolutely. I think there was a, as a very appropriate response. They replete, they released fingerprints of all the files that were, uh, that were leaked. Um, taking a step back FireEye, if people don't know, um, they are, um, security researchers, I guess, or consultants. I'm not sure how you describe them. Uh, they have a bunch of tools that um, attack not only their, their red team tools and they attack not only OSs, but just specific applications. And if you Google them, they have their hands in everything. So they have a lot of tools that exploit zero days. Yeah, so I think this is super bad like really, really, really bad. Like uh, when the CIA tools got leaked bad or when hacking teams tools got leaked bad, like the CIA's tools got leaked and we still see those tools being used. Hacking teams tools got leaked with several zero days and we still see those tools being used. Uh, FireEye had zero days that only they knew about and they had tools specifically built for red team against their clients. Um, and now uh, the hackers have those, but soon everyone will have those. And, and that's bad. This is, this is very, very bad. Um, I would expect to see a sudden influx in ransomware um, attacks because these tools should uh, open up a lot of companies and the ransomware is the easiest way to extract money from those companies. Yeah, on the other side, I expect you to see a lot of security patches in the next few weeks and months. And I would advise that people and companies apply those updates. Yeah, um, it's always bad when a company that does red team exercises, they themselves get hacked, right? Uh, who knows what other data has been um, extracted? You know, if, if you were a client, Maybe FireEye had details about what exploits currently work at different companies, right? Um, if they're doing red team exercises, they're doing the majority of the hackers work for them. So um, I would, if I was a client of FireEye, which I'm not, I'd be very concerned about this uh, particular data breach and I would make sure to get every detail possible from FireEye about this breach. Um, and then I would probably start pulling systems offline. Like, Hey, let, let's, let's put a brand new uh, whitelist on like literally everything. Um, I, I would go into full paranoid mode um, because otherwise uh, you just don't know what hackers know. And I will say though, you know, in, in FireEye's defense that they, that where that, pers that specific advanced persistent threat has come from that um, they are either the firm or acquired the firm that that's done a real a lot of really good work around that threat. So they they merged with or acquired Mandiant a couple of years back, um, who've done some really excellent research into uh, advanced persistent threat, uh, specifically from China, uh, that uh, I personally was interested in uh, four or five years ago. In terms of our uh, every week listeners. Uh, is there anything that they should be scared of or being proactive about in terms of this? Like, does it affect the everyday person or is it just companies that should be worried about the effects of this breach? I wouldn't have extra concern from the FireEye hack uh, for the everyday person currently 
The concern is if there are zero days and they can be weaponized into a brute force across uh, a large quantity of devices. Um, I would be more concerned if uh, our listeners work for a Fortune 500 company that's already uh, receiving uh, persistent threats. Those threats may uh, end up becoming more effective given the, the new zero days that have just been released in, into the wild and the new tools that, that have just made hacking more effective. Um, so uh, if you work for, for someone that's already targeted, um, that targeting just got more concerning. I don't know. I, I would uh, I would slightly disagree with you because uh, we we're not exactly sure what FireEye was involved with. Like several years ago, they had a um, it was well known they had some sort of zero day or some sort of attack on TeamViewer, which is a remote uh, remote desktop controller software. So, um, I mean that's an application. If they have that, then who knows what else they have. Um, but it goes back to uh, what I think like if within the next several weeks and months, if you see an update on your app store, um, go ahead and apply it. It might be a good idea. Well, this has been an episode of Bourbon and Breaches. If you liked what you saw today, uh, subscribe, comment, and follow us. And uh, if you have any bourbon or breach suggestions, you can contact us directly. Uh, until next time.